When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. What am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I am your host, Simon Brooks, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away, and bring you back safely. My dog Mo was on vacation at a favourite place, visiting with Wendy and her three dogs. So it happened that I found myself staying at a small cottage near a beach. Even before the sun rose, it was warm, unlike New Hampshire. The house was small and had a wide porch where I sat and drank a cup of tea, strong, hot tea. Out of habit, I had a sweater on, but I was in shorts and barefoot. A tree in the front garden was draped with Spanish moss. The tall branches and foliage reflected off the roof of the car, which sat unused in the driveway. I planned on walking or cycling everywhere. Once the sun rose, I sat the empty mug down and headed across the road towards the beach. The sand was warm to walk on, and shells littered the sand. There were footprints from birds along the shore's edge. Most other footprints had been erased by the high tide the night before. I wondered if Mo would have liked the beach and chased after the gulls. Maybe next time I find myself heading to a place like this, I will bring Mo with me, although she does love visiting with Wendy. I collected a few shells, different kinds, different colours, and searched for sea glass. It wasn't that this place was known for sea glass, but it's always fun to come across. And my daughter loves it. After a while, I headed back to where the wee house was, As it was beginning to get hot, I took off the sweater and refilled the mug with tea. I made a small breakfast and went to sit on the porch again to jot some ideas down and write a couple of postcards. The sunlight shone off the roof of the car, making reflections of the tree and long strands of moss shimmer slightly. Then something hit the roof of the car. I knew it because I heard it and had seen something hit it, but then it had vanished. We have a delicious story for you today from Laura Packer. I've known Laura for many years and is one of my favourite storytellers. She has a way of capturing your ears and hijacking your imagination that is truly wonderful. Please enjoy Laura Packer. There was once a rich lord who had an equally rich wife and you would think that their lives would have been full of joy and happiness. They had a fine estate and many lands and servants, more servants than you could imagine. They had beautiful clothing and delicious food and entertained themselves and their friends with musicians and games and all that was delightful to do. But they were not happy because they were unable to have any children. And this ate at the Lord's wife day after day after day until finally she went to a sorceress to ask for her advice. And the sorceress said, 
There is a magic fish in the sea. The woman who eats this fish is sure to give birth to a beautiful baby boy. The lady went home and told her husband everything, then demanded that he obtain this fish for her, and he agreed. The Lord rode to the seashore and consulted with the fishermen there and asked, Can you catch me the magic fish that will enable my wife to give birth? And the fishermen looked at one another, then smiled and said, Well, of course we can. Why not? But it will not be inexpensive. You must get for us a cask of peppered vodka so that your boy will be happy and another cask of honey so that he will attract all of the girls to him with his sweetness, and a cask full of gold that he, so that he will be wealthy for all of his days. And then the Lord said, of course I can get these things for you, but how long will it take for you to get a fish? And the fishermen looked at one another and smiled again. Well, it's one thing to talk about catching a fish. It is another thing to do so. Come back in a week. And so the Lord rode home and then returned in a week with a cask of peppered vodka, a cask of honey, and a cask of gold coins. And there were the fishermen holding the most exquisitely beautiful fish he had ever seen. He gave them the three casks, and they in turn gave him the fish. He rode home as fast as he could, gave the fish to the cook, and told her to cook it up for dinner that very night. Now, the cook was a fine cook and a very old woman who had never married or had children of her own. And so she prepared the fish in such a way that it would surely be the greatest delicacy that had ever been eaten. But as the fish cooked, it smelled so good. She thought to herself, a good cook always tastes her food before she serves it. So she took a tiny little piece of the fish and ate it, and oh, it was delicious. The fish was served to the wife of the Lord. She ate it all up, and soon enough, she was pregnant. So, too, was the cook. Months passed. The wife gave birth to a beautiful baby boy, and so, too, did the cook. Well, I could tell you the story about the rich boy. The boy who was the result of peppered vodka and honey and golden coins, how he went to school and learned so fast, how the girls all loved him. But this is not his story. What happened to him is an entirely different tale. Instead, I will tell you about the cook's son. She adored her son, and he grew to become a strong lad, as handsome as the sun in the sky. When he was a young man, he was helping his wife in the kitchen when they heard a great ruckus. They ran outside, but the world was dark. The sun had not risen in the morning, and above there was no moon, nor were there any stars. People were terrified. Church bells began ringing. The Lord commanded the sun to rise, but it did not, and people began to speak of doomsday. There were whispers that devils had stolen the sun, the moon, and the stars. Word reached them a few days later that the emperor had declared that anyone who could bring all parts of the sky back would marry the heir to the kingdom, the heiress, his daughter. And apparently many great men went and tried, but none succeeded. 
And so the cook's son said to his mother, I am going to do this, but first I will go to the emperor's court and take a look at his daughter to make sure that she is the kind of girl who might please me. Off he rode to the emperor's court. When he was there, he went straight to the throne and stood in front of the emperor and said, Your Majesty, I can and will save the sun, the moon, and the stars, but first I'd like to take a look at your daughter so I know that we will get along. The princess was ushered into the room. She stood there by the light of torches and the flickering fire, and the cook's son looked at her and thought, Ah, we will do well enough. The two sat down and shared a meal, and as they did, they talked and laughed, and he knew that he could jump into hell for her. And so, after dinner, as midnight drew near, the young man leapt upon his horse and rode and rode to a great bridge in the middle of a dark forest. He walked on to the bridge, and then using only his hands, pulled one of the planks up out of the bridge and threw it into the river. He went to hide, and soon enough he heard the sound he was expecting, the sound of hooves clattering on the two remaining planks of the bridge, and there was a devil who stood there and shouted out, Who is it that wants to destroy my bridge? Come out, you wicked person! And then the young man called out, Why, I will pull down that whole bridge if I want to. The devil puffed himself up with rage and said, So do you want to fight? The young man stepped out from his hiding place and said, Look, devil, you don't scare me with your hooves and your horns. You just better give me back the sun, the moon, and the stars, or I will thrash you within an inch of your life. And the devil replied, I will not. We will fight. And the young man said, Wait, 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 wait just a minute. Why should we spill blood? What if you were to become fire and I become rain and we will see who wins? The devil, the devil thought this was a fine idea. So the devil waved his arms and turned himself into a great bonfire. The young man clapped his hands and rain began to pour out of the heavens, torrents of rain, a rain the likes of which no one had ever seen before. Yet the fire kept raging and crackling, consuming everything around it, but still the rain poured down. At first it might seem like the fire might win, but then the rain would not stop. And the fire began to hiss, and then grow smaller, and sparks began to rise, and then soon it fluttered out, and all that was left was a thin drift of smoke rising up. The young man clapped his hands again, and the rain stopped. He went and dug amongst the ashes, and there was the sun. He wrapped the sun and tucked it under his jacket, then leapt upon his horse and rode back to the palace of the emperor. Not far into his ride, he saw a little hut off to the side just at the edge of the wood, and he wondered who was there. So he rode up and then hopped off his horse and crept closer. When he peered through a little hole in the wall, there he saw witches. One witch was kneading bread. Another was stirring a cauldron. Another was straining her eyes over her needlework. And a fourth, a fourth was sitting there turning cards over onto the table. 
The young man turned himself into a fly and buzzed into the house. He landed on the wall just above the witch turning the cards and listened. The cards tell me, she said, that a young man has killed my devil's sweetheart. I will make his years shorter. I will cut his life off at the knees. I will turn myself into a lonely pear tree in the middle of a field. And when he rides past me, he will smell my pears. They will be so fragrant. He will not be able to help himself from eating one. And when he does, he will be done for. The other witches cackled their approval, and then the fly flew out of the little hut and turned himself back into a young man. He hopped upon his horse and rode to the emperor's court. He had dinner, and he went to bed. All through the meal, people asked him, what had he done? Had he found the sun? And the only thing that he would say is, in the morning, I will wake up at dawn. The people looked at each other as if he were mad. Well, he went to his room where he was staying and waited until the entire palace was asleep, then leaned out of his window and tossed the sun far away to the east, where it settled down just over the edge of the world and in time began to rise. In the morning, the people were awakened by the first sunrise in a long time. They were awakened by the sound of bird call. They were awakened by the warmth of the light on their cheeks, and they were overjoyed. All day long, the young man was celebrated. He and the princess danced and smiled and flirted. And the next night, at almost midnight, he mounted his horse and rode back to the bridge in the middle of the forest. He jumped off, pulled off the second plank from the bridge, threw it into the water, and then hid. And not too much later, he heard the sound of hooves. The devil looked at the bridge and hollered out, Who stole another plank from my bridge? Come out, thief! The young man stepped out and said, That's me. The devil replied, all puffed up with rage, you're looking for trouble, huh? And the young man said, just give me the moon. There is no need for us to argue. And the devil replied, you'll have to fight for it. The young man sighed. You know, there's really no reason for us to spill blood. What about this? I will turn myself into a stone pillar and you turn yourself into a great round boulder. You can roll down the hill and crash into me, and whichever one of us is shattered, well, that one wins. If the pillar is crushed, you'll be the winner. You'll be able to take my soul to hell, and if it doesn't, you will give the moon back. So that's what they did. The young man turned himself into a pillar, and the devil turned himself into a great big round boulder, which rolled down the hill with a ferocious rumbling and finally crashed into the pillar with a sound so loud that people through the whole kingdom thought they heard thunder. And when the sound stopped reverberating, the pillar was still standing, and the boulder had crashed into dust. The young man restored himself. He rummaged through the dust until he found the moon and threw it up into the sky right away. The nightingale began to sing. The frogs began to peep. The insects began to chirp. The dogs began to howl. 
He rode his way back to the castle, stopping off again at that little hut where the witches were. This time he turned himself into a flea and hopped in through the hole and landed in the hair of a different witch, who this night was sitting gazing into a great crystal sphere. Look, she said to her sisters, that same wretched young man has sent my boyfriend back down to hell. Oh, it is the worst night, the worst. I tell you, I shall turn myself into a great well and order the sun to beat down upon him so fiercely that he is near dying of thirst. When he stops to drink from me, he will drink deep and then he will explode into four pieces. The witches all laughed together at the thought of the young man's fate, and the flea hopped out of her hair and out of the hut and restored himself again. The young man climbed onto his horse and rode back to the castle, where everyone celebrated. The third night, he went back to the bridge again. He pulled off the third and final plank and threw it in the water, and soon enough, another devil arrived and screamed out, Who is wrecking my bridge? I am, said the young man. And the devil replied, What is so special about this bridge? Why are you destroying our bridge? The young man smiled. I only want the stars back, he said. Oh, no, 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 replied the devil. You will have to fight me first. You must be out of your mind, said the young man. I have fought your two devil brothers and I beat them both. Just give me the stars and save yourself the trouble. No, replied the devil. I will fight you. Well, if we must, why should there be blood? Let us tie each other up and see who can escape first. You may tie me up, and if I escape, I will tie you up. If I can't escape, you can take me to hell, and if you can't escape, you will return the stars to me. The devil thought this sounded like a fine deal, and so he tied up the young man with so many intricate knots. The young man strained and pushed, and the devil began to break loose and said, If you do not free yourself, I will throw you into the river. All right, said the young man, panting just a little bit. Turn your back. I don't want you to see my expression as I break all of these ropes. And so the devil did. And in that moment of privacy, the young man pulled out the little knife that he had hidden in his sleeve. And snip, snap, snip, just like that, he was free. When the devil turned around and saw him standing there, he was frightened. No, he was terrified. He felt the blood drain down from his face and he started shaking from fear. Uh, all right, said the devil, because devils try and honor their bargains. You may tie me up, he said, and so the young man did. He wrapped so much rope around him that it was as if the devil were a great ball of twine with only his head sticking out. And no matter how much the devil struggled, he couldn't release himself. His eyes were about to pop from his sockets. His muscles felt as if they would tear. And the young man started to laugh. You should have had a better breakfast. Well, give me the stars back if you don't want to be done for. And the devil sighed. Fine, they are underneath my saddle. He went to the devil's horse, lifted up the saddle, and there indeed were the stars. But you know, stars are particular things. And so the young man sat down and began to count them. One, two, three. 
The devil raged. Let me go! But the young man just smiled and said, no, 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 I need to make sure that all of the stars are here. And when he was done counting, indeed, there was one missing. Where's the missing star? He said to the devil. And the devil replied, what are you talking about? They're all here. And the young man said, those are lies. One is missing. If you do not tell me where the star is, why, why I will cut your head off and roll this ball of twine from here all the way down to the ocean. The devil realized that he had no choice. And so he told the truth. I took one star and gave it as a gift to the witch I adore. The young man didn't hesitate. He put the devil within his great ball of twine up on the devil's horse and tied him there. And then he hopped onto his own horse. And leading the devil's horse behind him, they made their way to the little hut at the edge of the wood. The devil cried out, Darling, I am here! And the witch replied, Oh, my love, come right in! And the devil said, I can't. That wretched man has tied me up. Give him the star I gave you and beg him to let me go and then we will be free. The witch was not happy about this. But the young man went inside in his own human form and looked at her. Please, she said, untie my lover. And the young man replied, I still need him. Give me the star and he will be able to return to you. And so she gave him the star. The young man went out and spent all night long throwing the stars up into the sky to get each one in their proper place. By the time he was done, the sun was already rising. Then he mounted his horse and rode back to the capital with the devil behind him. As he rode there, everyone thanked him for the sun, the moon, and the stars, or almost anyone. The young man watched to see who did not thank him, some of the innkeepers and some people who had shifty looks in their eyes and some of the emperor's ministers. And the lad untied the devil and said, now gather together the wicked and dip them in pitch, roll them in feathers and then put them up at the marketplace for three days and three nights. So we all will know who is not to be trusted. And the devil, when he was released, did just that. The wicked were set in the marketplace where for three days the people could laugh at them, and after the three days and three nights they were released and slunk away. The young man went to the palace. He stood in front of the emperor and said, Your Majesty, I have done everything you asked. The sun, moon, and stars are all back where they belong. The young woman, the princess, stepped forward with a bright smile on her face, and the emperor was about to say, and now you can marry my daughter, the heiress to my lands, when the young man held up his hand. Wait, I am going to go fetch my mother so she can look at your daughter and decide if she wants to take her in as her own daughter. She must have say in the matter too. And so the young man mounted his horse. The sun above was red hot, as if it were furious at the world. And as he rode, he saw a pear tree bent down with the most beautiful, fragrant pears. But still he rode. And then farther along, he saw a great well with water that smelled so sweet and his mouth was so dry. But still he rode. When he got home, he told his mother everything that had happened. 
She hopped up on his horse with him, and they rode back to the emperor's court, and as it turned out, she approved mightily of the heiress to all of the lands. And so they were married. The wedding lasted seven days and seven nights, and it was the most amazing wedding that has ever been, and I know, because I was there. And truthfully, I'm still a little drunk from the wine. Many boys think they are the bee's knees. Some young lads think they are better than anyone else. Some young men have heads far too big for their bodies and need a little more diplomacy, manners and, well, let's say it, charm. If your lads are too big for their boots and are not paying due respect to the folks around them, then send them to the Seven Dwarf Iron Shoe Boot Camp. Rigorous training in manners, respect and diplomacy using the lessons taught in the Panchatantra. Egos deflated to a manageable size using techniques honed by Captains Henry Morgan and Black Bart Roberts. Plus, they will learn invaluable trade skills. Send your rambunctious boys to the Seven Dwarf Iron Shoe Boot Camp now. Did you know that all the patrons of the podcast have special fairy tale talents? You too could get a special fairy tale talent, like levitating or being able to put people asleep. If you want a unique fairy tale ability, then become a patron for as little as $4. And you'll be a patron for the arts. And what do you get for as little as $4 a month? Sweet perks and rewards? Oh yes! Your generous support allows this podcast to reach bigger audiences and grow. A big thank you to all the patrons who do make this podcast possible. To join the story supporters, go to storystorypodcast.com for more information. And if you want to hear from us, make up fairy tale facts about you, receive postcards, and get a thank you on an episode, then become a supporter now. It's only the cost of an artisan coffee. At first, I thought I had imagined it. There had definitely been a thud. The light had shifted on the roof of the car, but nothing was there, nothing had bounced off. From where I sat, I could see around the car, pretty much, so I let my gaze stay on the car roof. Then, there was the thud again, what looked like a slight dip in the roof which vanished almost immediately. Something had fallen from the tree, landed on the car roof and vanished. I watched more carefully. Another thud. It looked like, but, well, it happened so fast. I looked up into the tree. There, sitting on one of the lower branches, was an elf of some sort. It was plump and round and was bending its knees and jumped. As it fell, its eyes got wider. Its already wide grin grew across its face and with a thud it hit the car roof and vanished. I looked back up to the tree and there it was again, holding its sides, trying not to laugh out loud. It jumped again, fell through the air, hit the roof and bling! was up in the branch again. I tore a page out of my notebook and screwed it up into a tight ball, pulled my arm back, watching the little pixie elf creature. The next time he dropped, I threw the paper ball at him. He saw it coming, opened his arms and caught it just as he hit the car. Bling! He was up there on the branch holding the paper. He looked over at me and scowled. His bottom lip stuck out, his face crinkled up like the paper he was holding. He threw it back at me and vanished. I ran back into the house and got my camera out, but he did not reappear. I tried to throw things through my roof to see if they would appear on the branch in the tree, 
All I did was scratch up the paintwork a little. I stopped after a couple of tries, as it was a rental car, and I never saw the little creature again on that trip. Now, I'm back in New Hampshire, where the weather report is again talking about snow on this chilly March day, wondering why I didn't stay in the cottage near the beach with the sun and the sand and the strange little fellow who could magically disappear through my car roof and reappear on the branch of a tree. I suppose spring will be here soon, and with it, warm days. Although I might have to keep wearing a sweater, I'll be in shorts and bare feet in no time. I know you've heard Jenny Cargill Strong here before, and what can I say that I have not said before? I hope one day to meet her and hear her tell stories live and in person. She is Australian and lives in Australia, so that might not be for a while. She tells amazing stories, and like Laura, is totally captivating. Enjoy Jenny's story. This story explains a group of stars that look like a ladle or a dipper. Long ago, when people wanted water, they couldn't just turn on a tap. They had to carry it in buckets from a river or a well, then scoop the water out of the bucket with a dipper. It is this way still in many places in the world. The legend of the Big Dipper. Once, long ago, but not that far away, a little girl lived alone with her mother in the outback. It hadn't rained there for a long, long time. The waterholes, creeks and rivers had all dried up and there were only little trickles of water in certain hidden places. The grass turned brown and crunched beneath people's feet. Wild creatures that had somewhere else to go left, but many animals had nowhere to go. The little girl's mother had been working hard to try to get food for her daughter, but now she could barely get out of bed. As her mother lay sleeping, the little girl thought and thought about where she could get some fresh water for her mother. She remembered a story her grandfather had told about a drought that happened when he was a boy and how he had found a trickle of water that helped his family. I will search for some water like grandfather did. Because she was only small, she couldn't carry a bucket and besides she didn't think she could find that much water. So she picked up the old tin dipper and set off. It was hot and dry on the dusty road out of town. The little girl soon felt very thirsty, but she kept on walking. She walked up and up the hill behind her home, pushing through scratchy bushes and spiky weeds. The little girl wasn't exactly sure where to go, but she just kept walking, though her legs were red with scratches. Suddenly she smelt a dampness, a freshness in the air. She moved towards the fragrance and then she saw it, a little seep of crystal clear water spilling down over mossy rocks. The girl sighed with relief and filled her dipper. It filled slowly, drip by drip. When she drank that water, it was so fresh and pure. Oh, she felt wonderfully refreshed. And when she had had enough to drink, she refilled the dipper and then set off down the hill, trying hard not to spill any water. 
she hadn't gone very far when she came across a koala at the base of a tree. The little girl had never seen a koala so close before, but she noticed that the koala was watching her dipper closely. Are you thirsty? As if to answer, the koala came closer to the little girl. Gently, she knelt down next to the koala, poured some water into her hand and let the koala lap it up. The water was so pure, it made the koala feel well again. It gave the girl a long look, turned and headed back into the bush. The little girl was so busy watching the koala walk away that she didn't notice her dipper had refilled itself and turned from tin to silver. The little girl felt very happy as she walked down the hill, being careful not to spill any water. As the little girl reached the edge of town, she saw a frail old man scratching around in the garden for some food. But everything in his yard was wilted and brown. The little girl stopped and said, Excuse me, sir, would you like some of my water? Oh, yes, my girl, I would. This water is really for my mother, but I know she won't mind if I give you some. The old man walked over and drank gratefully. What a thoughtful girl you are. I am sorry I have nothing to give you in return, but that must be the best water I've ever tasted. You are very welcome, sir, said the little girl. She felt so happy she wanted to skip for joy, but instead she walked carefully so as not to spill any water. She was so excited about telling her mum about the koala and the old man that she didn't notice her dipper refilled itself and turned to gold. At last, the little girl arrived home. She pushed open the door. Her mother was still in bed, but sitting up. Hey, Mum, I have some really special water for you. Look. Oh, how wonderful, my darling. Her mother sat up and gratefully drank the water, leaving some for her daughter. She handed it back, saying, That was the best water I've ever tasted, and I have left some for you. The little girl was thirsty again after her long walk home in the heat, so she was about to take a sip when a knock came at the door. The girl opened the door to find a stranger. There stood a bent old woman with white hair, dark skin, and one blind eye. She was dressed in rags and covered in the red dust of the road. Hello, Auntie. You look like you need a drink of water. Yes, I do. I would love a good drink of water. Can you spare a drop for me, darling? Sorry we don't have much, Auntie, but you can have this. The old woman gratefully took the dipper and drank deeply. You are a very good, kind girl. Then she winked at the little girl and smiled. The old woman lifted that dipper high up into the air. Suddenly, 
the little girl saw that her dipper was now made of beautiful sparkling crystals. The old woman turned it upside down and where the last drop spilled onto the ground, a spring formed. Crystal clear water that came from deep underground bubbled up, enough water for the whole town and the wildlife to share. Then that old woman lifted the dipper high up into the air and she tossed it up high, high into the sky, so high that it never came down. The little girl and her mother hugged each other happily, but when they looked up to thank the old woman, she had disappeared. That night, the townspeople gathered around the new spring excitedly, and when they looked up into the sky they saw that the girl's crystal dipper had become a new constellation of stars. It is there to this day, and we call it the Big Dipper. And that is how I tell the story of the Big Dipper, which is really a folktale from Europe. But I wonder, how would you retell that story? Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. I hope you enjoyed Laura Packett and Jenny Cargill-Strong. Show the love, find their work online and tell them that you heard them on this podcast. And now you want to hear them present more tales. Find opportunities to connect with the magic of live storytelling, whether it's in person or virtual. There are wonderful tellers out there. Go and find your favourite storytellers from Story Story Podcast and discover what they can bring to your home. Did you know that you can connect with the podcast and see fairy tale sponsor ads on Facebook or Instagram at Story Story Podcast? Or you can connect with me at Simon M. Brooks on Instagram. Also, check out hashtag In the Woods with Mo. And on Facebook on my website at Simon Brooks Storyteller. Diamond Scree, yep, that's me, the English fella and storyteller. And please do let us know the favourite story that you have heard or the favourite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you will hear them here soon. The inspiration for the fairy tale sponsor came from Lynn Ford, another great storyteller. The inspiration for the true fairy tale came from outside of my recent trip and something Gwenda Ledbetter said to me. The music is by Poddington Bear. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. Consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or write a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show. You will hear more stories next week. But until then, live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door, and there, on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth. Got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court.
or writing a Consider becoming a patron or 